Thank you. And as we open up your word, Lord, I pray as by the Holy Spirit would just open. They have, are touching the ears of people this morning here in person or online. Ears that are ready and open, ready to hear your truth. Yes, it may hurt because <laughs> the conviction will be tremendous. Or it could be very comforting and very reassuring and very loving. But I pray, Lord, it will do all of that in our hearts of the ear hearers of this morning and the days to come that we would be changed and transformed by your word in Jesus name. Amen. Second Peter chapter 2 we pick back up where we left off last week as we go verse by verse chapter by chapter book by book. Today we're going to take the rest of chapter 2. Yes, I know quite a big challenge, but we are going to take through the rest of this chapter, and we're going to take a, last week, if you remember, the title was Their Demise, speaking of false teachers that were coming in against God's people. Peter says, don't worry about it. God is going to take care of these false teachers. It's only a matter of time. They're going down. They're doomed. Their demise is certain. Here today, we're going to see their true nature of a false teacher because Peter is going to go into some details so that we can pick out, we can kind of sense, we have a discerning spirit of knowing when we're being toyed with, with the, with the word of God that has been twisted or changed or deleted or added to, that our spirit is going to touch us in a way that we will sense it and deserve it and go, that does, that's, not, that's not jiggy. That's not lined up with what the scripture says. And let me look at the other parts of the scripture. Because that would be like Bereans. We will understand and we're studying what we're hearing. And we're making sure that it's true. Because Peter, Peter opened up this letter, 1 Peter, with encouraging words to us on teaching about salvation. About Christian growth. The dependability of the word of God that we, we can trust. And Peter also addressed the false teachers who would be judged by God. And definitely as we were, as he judged the angels, he will judge the false teachers. As he judged the, even in the, the, world, the world in Noah's day, he's going to judge the false teachers. As he judged the sinful people of Sodom and Gomorrah, he will judge the false teachers. We don't have to get hung up on these false teachers. Just don't listen to them. Don't entertain them. Don't give your money to them. Don't even, even blink an eye with them. Cut them off. So they have no influence on you. But only truly the Spirit of God with the Word of God is, is your influence in your life. And as we looked at the last verse of, or the last verse of last week's teaching of verse 9, there was a principle of truth. That truth of the Lord knows how. The Lord knows how to rescue the righteous and to punish the unrighteous. And he is in control and we just let it set there. That the Lord knows how. Today we will see the false teachers' wicked ways. Their true nature. Their true nature about them. And we will see the things that Peter was speaking to the believers of that day. Speaking of us today as we know there are false teachers all around. There is a plethora of them everywhere. Every form you want to look at. From little devos to massive TV stations and everything else. That are teaching falsely. But we do not have to worry about these things. Because we can see their true nature of what they say versus what they do. And the hypocrisy that is behind it all. 
Peter was certainly not finished with the false teachers in here in his writings because it was still and is still today very disturbing how these false teachers can find inroads into the church. These inroads of these false teachers were making it into the churches then and is still making it into the churches today. And he knew, Peter knew, that their approach was subtle. It's so sly and so sneaky. But their teachings were fatal to not only to themselves of those false teachers, but to those around them. It was fatal to them and they wanted to warn the churches about them and to make sure they, he, they knew their true nature of these people, these false teachers that were coming in and creeping into the church then and still today. And we are to know that, their true nature, so that we're not deceived. He gives a description of these ungodly people, these false teachers, and he starts here, as we pick back up here in his letter in verse 10, it says, and especially those... Those false teachers who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanliness and despise authority. They are presumptuous, self-willed, and they are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. So we see some of the characteristics of their true nature. He says right here, as the apostles and the teachers emphasize purity, they emphasize cleanliness before God. These false teachers go against that. The false teachers in the church who deny these standards of purity and cleanliness and walking with the Lord, they say it's okay, just let it go, it's by grace. And, and, these, and these, these are the false teachers' true natures that they say it's okay to live however you want to live. You're saved, right? It doesn't matter how you live after that. You're saved. You're going to heaven. And they downplay. And as a matter of fact, they encourage uncleanly living, unpurity. They said, just let it go. Go however you want to. What, what's, what's a few drunks once in a while? You know, what's only, you're not drinking every day and being drunk every day. It's once in a while. It's no big deal. You're, you're saved by grace. Grace is not a license to sin. Do you know that? Grace is not a license to sin. But these false teachers communicate like it is. Especially those who walk according to the flesh, because that's a true nature of these false teachers. These ungodly ones are especially reserved for judgment. We know this. They live according to the flesh and not the spirit. And their true nature is one of uncleanliness. Their deprived nature of man does not want to submit to any kinds of authority, Peter says. Their mindset is, their message is, do it my own way. Do it your own way. You can live however you want to live. Wherever you want to go. However you want to do it. You have free will to just liberty to live however you want to. And it's almost like you don't have to even be accountable to God. Or anyone else who's put in authority around you. And that is the falseness that is creeping in everywhere. Into the minds of the people. They're presumptuous, Peter says here. That means they're daring. They're very bold. They're self-willed. They mean to live in pleasure for themselves. They're arrogant is the key word here. They're very arrogant about their Christianity or form of Christianity. 
And it's these ungodly ones are proud and arrogant and in their presumptions, they will even speak ill will of, of, or against spiritual powers, including Satan and his demons. Like they're somehow more powerful than the demons and Satan themselves. It is foolish when you see these things. Oh, I'm going to take you demon and I'll take you Satan. I'm taking you down and I'm going to battle you today. You're crazy. These people are crazy. That is not what you're so to do. You don't sit there and try to battle Satan yourself and the demonic forces yourself like somehow you have the power. You don't know the scriptures. And that's why Peter was kind of emphasizing here in verse 11. Whereas angels, the good angels, who are greater in power and might, do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord. Peter's... Contrasting their behavior of those who walk according to the flesh with angels, that is, good angels. The faithful angels did not slander or exaggerate what they said or how they represent the sins of others. These who walk according to the flesh did. They're always looking to overcome authorities, always looking to have their own way and do it their own way. And they have the power to even overcome Satan. They have, you have no power to overcome Satan apart from Jesus Christ. You must under, remember and understand that. These good angels themselves did not speak evil of the bad angels. But the good angels rebuked them in the name of the Lord himself. It goes back to the book of Jude. If you go back and especially Jude 9. We read that Moses died and Satan wanted his body. Why would Satan want Moses' dead body? Knowing scripture as he did, perhaps he understood that God was going to use Moses in the future and Revelation 11.3 to be one of the two witnesses spoken of in the tribulation period. So what happens? Mark, uh, Michael, the, mark, uh, the archangel, is sent to go to battle to overcome, to protect Moses' body. But did Michael, the archangel angel himself, sit there and, 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 and go against Satan? He battled Satan, but he did that in the fact that he relied upon the strength in the name of the Lord to rebuke him. He didn't even rebuke him. So if Michael, the archangel, didn't even rebuke Satan, who are you and I to think you can rebuke Satan? And even mess with the demonic forces. You at all times, just like Michael, you want the Lord between you and any demonic force or Satan himself. You want nowhere to be in direct line with them. So don't think yourself righteous like you're some powerful person because you're saved. Now you can take on Satan. No, the Lord has taken on Satan. Get him between you and any demonic and darkness that is out there because that is where his safety is. Be very careful of those false teachers out there trying to incite believers to action by mocking Satan, by mocking his de the demons that is making up, uh, you know, making a big mistake of trying to mock these demons yourself. A wise is the man who, like Michael, puts the Lord between himself and the enemy. Much of what goes on under the name of spiritual warfare is incredibly insane. 
It shows the kind of pride and presumptuous, the arrogance that can, people can have in these religious circles of false teachers. While we recognize our authority in Jesus, we see that it is only in Jesus that we have this authority. And we leave the reviling accusations to Jesus and Him alone. These proud false teachers who try to build themselves up. While they try to tear down everybody around them. They show no respect to authority, Peter says. And we see that so true even today. And they're not afraid to attack and deface people in high positions. Remember, God has established authority. He has established authority even in this world. And when we resist authority, we resist God. We see that noted in Romans 13.1. Parents have the authority over their children. Children do not have authority over their parents. We see that clearly outlined in Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 4. And employers have the authority over their employees. We see that clearly outlined in Ephesians 6, verses 5 through 8. And as citizens, we Christians should pray for those in authority. We are asked to do that in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. We must show respect to them, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 through 17. It's part of what God calls us to do. We seek to glorify God in our behavior when it comes to authority. And anytime those things get flipped around, there is problems and there's troubles within the house. There's troubles within your employment. There's troubles in society when people start rejecting authority. Yes, when people ask you to do something that goes against the word of God, then God's authority trumps them all. That is who we listen to ultimately. And that's why it's important we know the word of God so we're not misled. He continues here in regards to their true nature of these false teachers in verse 12. And but these, like natural brute beasts made to be caught and destroyed, speak evil of the things they do not understand and will utterly perish in their own corruption and will receive the wages of unrighteousness as those who count it pleasure to carouse in the daytime. Let's stop right there for a minute and say, look at what he says here. The false teachers of the first century are like natural brute beasts. Why did he say that? It's because when you live by the flesh, you're like animalistic. You go based on instincts, just in natural desires, whatever the flesh leads you. You're just like an animal. And you live by the flesh and whatever drives you by the flesh, your emotions and the feelings and all those, those are just natural, um, natural di distinction or natural desires that are operating like, a, like an animal. And that's what these false teachers do. They're just natural dis uh, desires and they just go with the flesh. They go with the emotions and the flow. And that's what locks into their sinful nature. Their true, their true nature. But P Peter says that right there is leading them to nothing but destruction and they'll be destroyed. They'll be caught like a beast. They'll be destroyed like a beast. That is what, is what their destination is as a false teacher. And will receive the wages of unrighteousness. 
Oh, it's going to pay. They think what they're doing is, oh, it's just a great lifestyle and they're getting ahead and they're all going to create this little castle for themselves and everybody's following. Look at all their followers. But it, the payment's not going to be good. Peter says this very clearly, the wages of unrighteousness, this ungodly will be paid for their evil and their fleshly lies will be paid by the wages of unrighteousness. And it's these false teachers who were troubling Peter's people, the believers of that time. And was to say that they loved and served Christ while the things that they taught and did had a complete denial of him. They say one thing, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower, but their lies and what they say and do completely are opposite. It's hypocrisy is everywhere. The riot here is not one of throwing rocks and pipe bombs against the government buildings, of going against authority and of going against and having an uprising for Christ. And no, this is not what he's referring to. It speaks of false teachers who flaunt their sinful lifestyles in the name of liberty. That is what he's referring to here. These false teachers will be caught in their own web. That is what Peter is saying here in these verses. It's only a matter of time. They'll be exposed. And they will receive justice. Now he continues here. And let me read the rest of verse 13. They are spots and blemishes. False teachers are just going to spot us up and blemish us if we get around these people because that's all they are. They're just spots and blemishes carousing in their own deceptions while they feast with you. That means they're really close to believers. They're, they're in the church. They're sitting down and having the meals with you. They're sitting there having feasts and they're subtly getting and developing relationships with you and eventually they're subtly trying to get across to you things that are ungodly or twisting of the scriptures and you must be aware of that. Not to live a life where you're constantly even here, sitting here going, oh, we're having a, a fellowship, and you're like, okay, let me look at you. Let me make sure I test you. I, are, you are you a false teacher while you're sitting with me? I mean, you should have a safe fellowship where you know that the shepherds are watching over and keeping it so you can come and sit as sheep and not be afraid of false teachers coming in. But at the same time, you have a responsibility to keep your ears open and to know the scripture. So when you hear certain things, you may not be looking at a false teacher. You may be looking at someone who just came here from another church who was listening to false teaching. And they didn't know it was false teaching until they get here and all of a sudden going, well, I just what the pastor just read and taught is really different than what I'm used to. Praise God you're here at the right place so you know what the scripture was said because you've been misled for at that other church for so long. Are you with me? So don't get skirmish around people you haven't met. Get to know them because they may, God may be bringing them by your side because you're strong in the word that you can encourage them to understand the truth from the word of God. So you can encourage them and help them to grow and get out of the false teaching that they were you know, we had, we've had all kinds of false teaching uh, people who represent the false teaching coming in. I mean, the, the ex-Mormons, ex, you name it. And they come in and they're like, they've never taught that. 
is never, they never kept it in context. They've, never, they've only done little snippets and bits in here and there, but they've never done the, taught the whole counsel of God. I never knew that. That's why God has brought you here. Did you know that? That's how much he loves you. He's brought you to a place where they're teaching the whole counsel of God. You should be, be thankful and grateful to God of what he is so, so he loves you so much. He's, he's going to bring you to a place where you can get the word of God so you can apply it to your life and to be transformed. And to rest in him. No longer in that legalism that has been taught to your whole life is legalism. Or you've gone, to, or you're from another pedestal swing on the far right where it's just anything goes. It's kind of weird for some coming into a church where they don't hand you a beer when you walk into the church. We're not, we're a church where it's not playing Beyonce because you're worshiping Beyonce and your music. You do know that goes up. That's how radical things are going on in the world today. And so that's why Peter was telling, telling them, be very careful. And I'm telling you as a, as a pastor, be very careful what you're listening to and who you're heaping up things and stuff. Be careful, test all things to the word of God. Because these false teachers are very proud. They're very bold. Because they're trying to build themselves up. And they'll tear anyone down just to make sure they stay up. But they're like brute beasts. And eventually they're going to get caught and destroyed. And you notice that in verse 12, they even speak evil that they don't need things that they don't even understand. They're saying things from the Bible. You see people all the time quoting, even politicians. Oh my gosh, don't get me started with that one. And they'll start flip out some verse, and it's not even in context. They have no idea what they're even saying. And we have a lot of history of that over the several election cycles. But he says, they're going to be, they'll just spot you up. They'll be just blemish you. And they're carousing. You know what the word carousing is? It's not good. <laughs> okay? Carousing is not good. That means you have a mindset. You're carousing around looking for someone who's vulnerable so you can get them. You're carousing. In their own deception, yes, they're deceived and they're carousing, looking for others who are like-minded or it could be pulled in to be like-minded with them. Even while they're sitting there acting like they're part of the, the family, they're feasting with you, and they're not. In verse 14, he says, having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin. I mean, these are the true character, the true, the true nature of these people. Look at their eyes are of adultery. They cannot even cease from sin. Enticing, a key word here in the Greek, unstable souls. They have a heart trained in covetous practices and are cursed children. <laughs> these are Peter didn't. This is not a seeker-sensitive church that Peter was part of. You understand that. 
He just told it the way it is, and I'm telling you the way it is because that's what the scripture says. But their heart, their, these false teachers, their heart, their true nature is set on the flesh, not on the spirit. Their eyes are on adultery, both spiritual and sexual adultery. That is where their mindset is set. They prey on unstable people to join them in their ways. They entice them. They're un, these unstable souls, these emotional people who are just emotionally erect and falling apart and they're looking for something. They are preying on you. Do you know that? They're preying on you. The word here, enticing, means seducing. It's a Greek word called delezos, or delezo, which is also seen in verse 18, and it's a key word here of seducing people to follow them. Because these people, literally, Peter writing is saying, their eyes are full of adulterous women. Their lust is always after female as a potential adulteress. It's always looking, that's a potential, that's a potential, that's a potential. Always in carousing, looking for someone. And that can go both ways. The satisfying of their lusts in the false teacher's mind and their main ambition is they cannot cease from sin and they cannot help themselves because they're driven like beasts. Their natural desires. Why? Because they've been trained. Notice Peter says. They have a heart trained in covetous practices. This is what they practice. This is not somewhere they've made a mistake, they've fallen away. No, they, they practice these things. And when you see in the scripture, when you practice sin, don't call yourself a Christian. Because you're trained up, you're, this is your desire, you, this is what you want, this is what you desire. And you justify your emotions, even in the Christian circles, by getting other people to do what you do. When you see these things, the red flag should be popping. Oh, <laughs> they should be popping. They are equipped, but not for ministry. They're not equipped for ministry. They're equipped for selfish gain. That is why they do it. They are truly accursed or doomed children. We all train our hearts in something. Either training them in covetousness and lust or in godliness. What are you doing? Are you training yourself up in godliness or are you still think it's okay under the umbrella of this facade of Christianity to say, no, I continue to desire to train myself up in covetousness and lust of this world. Only you and the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now can tell you. Don't be deceived. That's what Peter's saying to the believers then, and I'm saying it to you now. Don't be deceived. Do you desire godliness? Do you desire purity? Do you desire to please God in every aspect of your life? Or do you still think you want to do whatever you want to do and live however you want to live? That's a very strong statement for you, but we must wrestle with these things. Lord, if they find any wicked way in me, please reveal it to me so I can repent of it and change from it and move away from those directions that I'm going. 
Verse 15, they have forsaken the right way. These are, the, again, a true nature of the false teachers. They've forsaken the right way. They know the right way. They've heard it, but they're choosing to walk away the right way and go astray following the way of Balaam. Oh, that's a nice example that Peter's bringing in here. The way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of righteousness. He loved it. He didn't struggle with it. He loved it. There's a difference. You can practice sin and you can love unrighteousness and you can love however you want to live. That is not a definition of a Christian. But this man, these false teachers, they love the wages of unrighteousness just like Balaam. Verse 16, but he was rebuked for his iniquity. Even a dumb donkey speaking with a man's voice restrained the madness of the prophet. God went to great lengths in that example, if you remember going back to Numbers chapters 22 through 24. Go back and read that. This is the fourth Old Testament example that Peter is using to get his point across regarding wicked people and angels, false angels. The worldliness at Noah's point in time, Sodom and Gomorrah, and now Balaam he's using as an example to, to speak to them. Remember, they used the Old Testament to speak to the people at that time. The New Testament has not come about yet. So that's why we have the Old Testament showing us of the things that God was teaching the new believers. They all know Balaam. They all knew the history and, the, and how Someone who represented God was, then, was willing through greed and lust to be paid off to go against God's people? If that's not a definition of a false teacher, I don't know what else is. Pay me and I'll say whatever you want me to say. Churches are filled with hirelings. Congregationally led people, and they they will get someone that tickles their ear and bring them in. They're hirelings, and they say, "This is what I want you to teach, and that's all you're going to teach." It's a hireling. It's not a good place to be. But there's churches filled with people like that, and it's saddening. Very sad. Because the people don't even know what they're asking for, but they're getting what they've asked for. But Peter says here, just like Balaam, who was guilty of the greatest of sins. What is the greatest of sins of Balaam? Leading others into sin. That's the greatest sin. Leading others into sins. That for the sake of their own gain, they're willing to lead people into sin to, for them to benefit from them. God even intervened and brought a donkey and had that donkey speak with a man, man's, uh, with a voice of a human. Now, if that's not a miracle, <laughs> I don't know what else is. That would be, I would think that would get Balaam's attention, wouldn't you think? But it didn't. Even miracles did not change the heart of that man, his greed and his lust. God revealed himself through the donkey, and that didn't even change him. God had to speak and reveal himself in such a mighty way. But Peter says here, 
The same greed and lust can, can absolutely motivate a false teacher like a Balaam. It's their true nature. It's a false nature. In verse 17, these are wells. These false teachers are like wells without water, clouds carried by a tempest, a storm, from whom is reserved the blackness and of darkness forever. They say a lot. False teachers say a lot. They sound great. They look great. They've got all the props and all the little bells and whistles, and they make you feel good and entice you and all your emotions. They know the surveys, know what you're looking for and how you speak and what words not to say. Never say hell. Woo, that was, that was, you can't do that. Or sin. You can't use that word. You can't, but you can talk about, oh, you're loved, and your God is going to do great things. And, and if you just give, the more you give, the more you'll give back. And if you want to come forward with a big check, the bigger check this, okay, going once, a thousand, okay, ten thousand, okay, going once, going twice, going three, just bring it, you'll be blessed. Oh, oh, hundred dollars, oh, you're not going to be blessed very much, but that ten thousand, yo, you're really blessed. Come on forward. It goes on and on. And you think I'm joking. I'm not. But all these fancy words, and all the bells and whistles, Peter says it very clearly. They're just empty. It will leave you empty. Their stories, the little motorcycle gimmicks that come up here and talk about you can ride with Jesus in the morning, goes on and these prompts and stuff. And you walk away and you're empty because you never were fed the word of God. A 10-minute little snippet of reading one verse is not feeding the flock. Stories after stories and even testimonies after testimonies is not feeding the flock. It's just empty clouds carried by a huge storms in people's lives. And these people, Peter says, will be reserved from the blackness of the darkness forever. And I believe he's referring to hell itself. These people are going to hell. And you can go back and even read Jude 12 and 13. It, it, that is what he's referring to. They're going to the darkest of dark. Complete absence of God is the blackness of darkness forever. That made it cl very clear what's going to happen to them. He continued we, with the next word here in verse 18. Again, that same Greek word uh, is emphasized here, uh, delezo, of the word allure. Look at here. For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, like the clouds, without water, wells without water, all this going on, they allure through the lusts of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. So the message of the ungodly false teachers is empty of real spiritual content in what they're saying. Though they're big words and they're swollen words and lots of words, very dramatic and theatrical, but their allure is then to the lust of the flesh in their audience. It's to entice your lusts, 
Be wealthy. Seek God and you'll be wealthy and healthy and wise. If you really have faith, God will bless you. And it's all these empty things that come through to entice the crowds who wanted bread, like those, those who followed Jesus today. The all they did and showed up and to watch and to listen to Jesus was not to have Jesus himself. They came for the bread. They came for the free food. They came for the miracles. They came for everything but Jesus himself. And that is true today. Many will come to church not seeking after Jesus himself. They're coming to see what they can get out of the organization. We come here to seek Jesus. We gather together to seek Jesus. And out of that seeking of Jesus, yes, many times God will reveal and to do and to help and to meet the needs of his people in many different ways. But here, they're not looking for that. They're looking to see what they can get from you, not what they can give to you. People are coming to see what they can get from Jesus, not what can what actually have a relationship with Jesus. You can go back and read that certainly in John chapter 6, verse 25 through 27, and chapter 6, verse 47 to 66. But notice here in verse 19, while they promise them liberty, the false teachers are promising, you have liberty, you have liberty, you have liberty. We do have liberty in Jesus Christ. But they themselves are slaves of corruption. They don't have liberty. Why? Because they're not saved. You and I have liberty because we are saved. And been forgiven. But they're, in, they're slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. So Peter here says they promised freedom to the people they were doing. You can have freedom, 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 freedom. But freedom can never be found in the flesh. It is only found in God's spirit is the only way we have freedom. But that's not what they're teaching them. Freedom isn't found in what Jesus can give us, but only in Jesus himself is where we can have freedom. When we seek freedom in the wrong way, we become slaves of corruption, dishonesty. We're, in, we're into sin. We're not free. And by him also he brought into bondage. Here Peter says, even if you overcome by the flesh and the false teacher, these false teachers hopelessly become enslaved by depravity in their own sin. They're trapped in their own sin. Go back and read John chapter 8, verses 34 and through 36. See, the liberty promised by false teachers is empty. It's dark. It's bondage and produces death, not life. Peter's making it very clear to the believers that you want nothing to do with these, these people. Do not be entertained at all to listen to these people. 
Why? Because we see in verse 20 through 22 the dangers of falling away if you do. There is a consequence when you listen to false teachers. There's a great falling away. Look at, notice here in verse 20. For if, after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they're again entangled in them and overcome. The latter end is worse for them than the beginning. So let's just take a look at verse 20 here for a minute. It is better, Peter says, for a person to have never known the thing about Jesus than to hear some truth, hold on to it for a season of life, and then later reject it and go back to the old life. Because when God reveals a greater revelation to you, there's a greater accountability to you. So this is something you do play around when you say, oh, well, let me try Jesus. Maybe I have tried everything else. The other programs haven't worked. I've tried every, every other religion and every world religion. Let me try with Jesus. The last, the last effort. Because I'm still not happy. Still not fulfilled. Still not satisfied. Still not getting what I want. So let me try Jesus. And you learn the truth of God. You hear the word of God. You actually try to live a life of a Christian. And you do it for a season. For some, it's three months. Sometimes it's six months. Sometimes it's a year. But then they decide, after being deceived, they go back to the old life. And I've warned men over... And, and women, but mostly a time I spend with men one-on-one -on -one or in men's fellowships. I, I don't, I'm, I'm kind of soft and, and gentle here. You know, I'm real soft and gentle here. You, you're, you're, ladies, you're lucky you're not with us at men's Bible study. I, I, I really let it go then. Because the end is going to be worse for you if you go back to the old life. You thought your life being a drunkard and a drug addict and name the poison, the pollution you're involved in. You go back to the old life, it gets worse. It never goes back to the same the way it was. It gets worse. You thought you were in darkness? You go deeper into darkness. You thought you had all kinds of emotional problems? You'll get worse when you go back to the old the old life. And that's not just only Peter saying that. I've watched it in the lives of people over 28 years in the ministry. It's the most grieving thing as a pastor to see. But that's what happens. Because they have returned to the pollutions of the world. These pollutions are things that are infect people pollute people, defile people, a person, and those around them. It never affects just them. It affects everyone around them when they go back to the flesh. In verse 21, for it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. Now this is always a sensitive two verses for many in the Christian world. 
Let me see if I can address it simply for you. Peter is kind of describing a picture that certainly has the appearance of people losing their salvation. Does it not? He speaks of those who have escaped the pollutions of the world. You've gotten, you escaped out of that old life. He speaks of those who did this through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He speaks of those who are at one time had known the way of righteousness. But now they choose and go back to the old life. Christians have a tendency of warmly debating this kind of subject. They debate in the issue of whether or not is it possible for a true Christian to lose, ever lose their status as a true Christian and fall away to damnation. Perhaps the best way of understanding the issue is to say that it is certainly true that those who appeared saved, those who fit the description of Peter here, can end up in the place where it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness. Peter is very clear in the scripture here. But regarding two different views of the spectrum, you have the Reformed, the Calvinist perspective, who says they were never saved. Then you have the other side of the spectrum, the Arminian view, the perspective that says, no, they were actually saved, but they lost their salvation. Which one is it? Well, when you have that, you have to come to the first understanding is you don't choose or don't, you don't know who's saved or unsaved. You look for the fruit of their, of their life, fruit inspectors, but only God knows if they're truly saved or not. To bitterly divide along these lines if you're a Reformed or if you're an Arminian or somewhere in between is not what God has for us. To divide the, 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 the body of Christ. We are to focus on the things that are, are un, uh, that are unknowable to us, that are outside our observation. Only God knows who, the heart of that person. And if you get into the debate and discussions and divide over that, you and I would be wrong. Why? Because I hold on to 1 Timothy 6.4. Because if you want to debate that category or that subject, obsessed with disputes and arguments over words, that is what you're doing. And I refuse to debate and get over arguments and disputes over the things that the word of God speaks of. And God speaks of both things. So when I take a look at Peter and he's describing these people and like they're a saved and they've walked away, I don't debate on if they were saved or unsaved. All I know is that they're acting like they're unsaved if they are saved. And if they are acting like this, that means they probably are not saved. I can hold to both of those and still be true. Because I will let God determine if they're saved or not. I just know as a believer, if you're a believer and you're professed to be a believer and there's, you had fruit, you saw fruit, you, had a, you were growing and then you went back to the old life, I'm going to treat you 
like your cardinal, and I'm going to try to bring you back into the right standing with God. But if you walk in and I only see you and all I see is no fruit in your life, only just words and swelling words and acts and all kinds of the things to act and smell like a Christian, but I don't see fruit, I don't see love, I don't see any, any change in life, I'm going to treat you like you're a non-believer that you need to be saved. I let it leave it up to God and where your true status is. Are you with me? Let us not divide the... the, the, the to divide the body of Christ. Because if you're saved and you're cardinal, you're a miserable believer. And you will become a weapon or a tool for the enemy to destroy Christians and destroy people from coming to Christ because of your life. Do you not think you're gonna, God is going to deal with you? He's going to deal with you. If you're over here and you're unsaved and you're just pretending and acting like you're saved but you've never given your life to Christ, do you realize you're going to hell? And do you realize you're causing people to not come to Christ or to walk away from the faith because of the fact you're acting like you're a Christian? Do you not think God's going to deal with you? That's why I can let it rest with God. I'm going to let God do the work in either case. I'm not going to be obsessed with disputes and arguments over these words. And finally, if here, verse 22 of chapter 2, but it has, been, it, it has happened to them according to the true proverb. It, this is strong words. <laughs> Just let you know. A dog returns to his own vomit, and a sow, a sow, a pig, a hog, having washed to her wallowing in the mire. Peter makes it real clear because then from a Jewish perspective, the two worst, lowest position <laughs> you could be called and be referred to is a dog and a pig. I like the word hog. Why? Because when we take a look at from a dog perspective, the nature as a dog is displayed by the way he returns to the vomit of his flesh. How they return to the vomit of the world. They're acting like dogs. They're acting like their natural instincts. They're going back to the old vomit. They just got rid of that vileness out of their life. They just vomited out. They projectiled it out. I don't want it in my life anymore. I don't want that in my life anymore. And you're just vomited out. But don't be like a dog, Peter says, and go back to that stuff that you just got out of your life. But that's what you're doing. Peter takes this out of a proverb, does he not? Proverb 26.11 about the dog getting rid of the corruption inside through its vomiting but didn't leave, all, leave well enough alone. He goes around sniffing back around the things that he just said I want nothing to do in my life. Peter says, don't do it. I'm saying to you, don't do it. God's taking it out of your life. Why would you go sniffing back around and look at thinking it's going to be okay this time? You can handle it this time. You cannot handle it this time. You couldn't handle it then and you still can't handle it. 
But he doesn't stop with just the dog. He uses the sow because it's so important to understand what these, these false teachers and people who are following would it be. It would be like a hog. The word here is hedonism. It means self-indulgence. It means pleasure-seeking, self-gratification. You're a hog. The perversion is a hog. You get all gussied up and look good. And you, on the outside, you smell good. And you've got the mud off. You look good. But you desire to go back into the perversion. You want to go back into the mire. The hedonistic. To live for pleasure. I just want to go back. I just want to please myself. Self-indulgence. Self-gratification. And it's so true, any teacher or religion that encourages people to wallow in sin is like pig-like nature. We are not to listen to those false teachers. Not even a little bit. Because they'll entice you. They'll allure you to go back to the old life and to start living for your self-pleasure self-gratification that's what those false teachers and religions do they try to bring you back believers today do well to heed Peter's warning we should take Peter's warning very seriously against false teachers to learn to discern their true nature and wise is the one who is able not only to identify these tendencies in false teachers but is aware of this nature within himself and herself. We better examine ourselves, and if we see tendencies like these false teachers in our lives of legalism or absolute perversion of a hog, we must repent, we must change, and we must change direction. And that is completely opposite of that tendencies. Amen? Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for your grace, yes. Thank you for your mercies, absolutely. But Lord, may we not lean on your grace and your mercy and allow us to think we can continue to live a life that would be is displeasing to you. We do not want to practice these things. We do not want to uh, train on these things. We don't want to be even want to be associated with these things that we see of the true nature of a false teacher. Lord, we want nothing to have that in our lives. May we live lives of purity and godliness and ones that are pleasing to you because it affects our life in such a beautiful way, but it also affects our children's lives and everybody around us. Lord, this is not just about us. When we get so deceived and it's all about us, we completely see how things get destroyed all the way around us. Our families, our, our children, our, 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 our neighbors, people see there's such an effect, and I know that's how Satan works. That's how the darkness and demonic forces work, is to come and bring us down, Lord. Protect us, and may we follow you with all of our heart and mind, soul, and strength. In Jesus' name, amen.